Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you will receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Manscaped.com. For those fellas that are reaching down there during the game, halftime, I know mine kind of gets to the point in the second quarter where I just need some comfort. You're reaching down, you feel a little bit of weeds. Why not get the Weed Whacker package from manscaped.com? Use the promo code TEXANS. All right, welcome to Texans Unfiltered. My name is John Wade, and I have got Patrick Storm with me uh, for here and for probably the next who knows how long. Um, Pat, you want to go ahead and start off that video? Yeah, let's do it. Professional athletes getting paid a whole lot of money. If you can't come in and put work in in the building, go out to the practice field and work hard, do your lifts and do what you're supposed to do, you should not be here. This is a job. We are getting paid a whole lot of money. There are a lot of people watch us and invest their time and their money into buying our jerseys and buying a whole bunch of shit. And they care about it. They care every single week. We're in week 16 and we're four and 11. And there's fans that watch this game that show up to the stadium that put in time and energy and effort and care about this. So if you can't go out there and you can't work out, you can't show up on time. You can't practice. You can't want to go out there and win. You shouldn't be here. Because this is a privilege. It's the greatest job in the world. You get to go out and play a game. And if you can't care enough, even in week 17, even when you're trash, when you're 4-11, and 11, if you can't care enough to go out there and give everything you've got and try your hardest, that's bullshit. So that's how. I just – I think it's – that's – there are people every week that still tweet you, that still come up to you and say, hey, we're still rooting for you. We're still behind you. They have no reason whatsoever to. We stink. But they care. And they still want to win and they still want you to be great. That's why those people aren't getting paid. We're getting paid handsomely. That's why. And that's. That's who I feel the most bad for is our fans and the people who care so deeply in this city and the people who love it and who truly want it to be great. And it's not. And that sucks as a player to know that we're not giving them what they deserve. So what do you think? Do you think that was sincere? Yeah. That's the most fired up and pissed off I've seen him ever in a press conference. Never seen him even that pissed off on the sideline. And they've been through some moments, so it's uh, it's pretty telling. What do you think about this narrative out there that he was doing it just for show? That's trash. Anybody that I've talked to, I've talked to several of the players this week. Um, that's not even the worst he's been 
in the locker room. He's oh, really? had, a, yeah, he's had other blowups in the locker room. Um, and I won't call it a blow, but just showing his, uh, his fire and his passion. Um, cause he wants to win. I mean, the guy's a competitor and you know, he's got this reputation of doing a lot of stuff for the camera, the workouts and so on and so forth. But when you're losing, none of that crap matters. Um, and right now he wants to win and he realizes he's at the tail end of his career. And I, I believe that he was sincere and all of that. All right, Pat. So is he calling other players out or what, what, yeah. what is he trying to accomplish with that? He's calling a few guys out. Um, but cause there's still a few guys on this team that of course, as the season has gone on, um, don't feel like it's necessary to apply themselves a hundred percent. And he's tired of seeing that because he's torn his body up for the past, what, nine, 10 years for this team. And some of these guys are only been here for a short period of time and already don't give a shit. And so he's pissed off about it. Um, I'm not saying he's calling out the entire team, but uh, he's definitely calling out a few people. All right. Well, JJ is, of course, our star. He's our still arguably our biggest name. Um, we'll kind of talk about Deshaun here in a little bit, but still, JJ's the star. He's the one that, for a lot of different reasons, granted, some of them have been earned. Um, he is a, a, he, a, His peak was probably the best defensive player of all time. So there's absolutely a reason for him being the face of the franchise, even if it's kind of, he's kind of, kind of ending that. Uh, Deshaun's definitely taken over as the face. But naturally, because of this, JJ was going to get a lot of media coverage. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, to hear that it was about a player, good. The defense needed it. I mean, they need a good kick in the ass. All right, let's move into news and notes. Anything exciting happened this week? I know we uh, we claimed a guy. Uh, Jordan loves him. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, you know, it's somebody for the new staff to look at. Um, I mean, he's a seventh-round pick. Uh, he's been on and off of the team throughout the season. But – it's a position that they need to look at um, one because Justin Reed played terribly this year. Eric Murray is really bad. Even Lonnie is not the best safety. So to bring in another body for the incoming staff to look at um, for the future, I mean, why not? It doesn't cost him anything. And so I doubt he'll make the active roster this week. He'll likely stay on the exempt list and then get a futures contract. He is a, um, exclusive rights free agent at the end of the season. So they can tender him with a seventh round pick valuation or something along those lines. Um, and just have him for next year in camp. And if it doesn't work out, they just let him go. So his, uh, his name, by the way, was Gino stone. Um, he was drafted. Uh, Jordan did a thing about him before the season where he was like a late round find. He was really, really excited about him. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, Futures contract is what you think? Pretty much. He's not going to be able to play this weekend, is he? So what's the intake time? Five days. Today's Tuesday. Unless they change it, I don't think he can make the active roster by Sunday. Unless Sunday would be the deadline. Um, I'd have to look. Honestly, I don't know. I haven't really paid much attention to it because any of the waiver claims they've really put in have been 
you know, mediocre scrub guys. So, well, this is two weeks in a row that we've we've claimed somebody, right? Well, no, two out of three weeks, which is the most active we've been all year on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been doing it more so towards the end of the season. Um, you know, uh, competitive teams, teams that are heading towards the playoffs and stuff like that, are the ones letting these guys go, uh, making room for guys that they feel like can make uh, that can help them out. Um, or you got teams like the the Lions that let D Virgin go today that know they're not going to make the playoffs, that know that they can uh, that he can go somewhere and help contribute, and they're just kind of helping that guy out maybe. So it's just one of those things. Um, at the end of the year, you're going to see a lot of these moves. All right. Any other news out there? Um, so we got some stuff going on with the GM search and uh, the head coaching search. Obviously, they've still got their feelers out there on a lot of guys. Um, starting on Monday, they will be able to interview executives and head coaches without the teams that these guys are under contract with stepping in and saying no. And so hope to see a flurry earlier in the week. Um, but some interesting names are starting to pop up of people that they really want to interview um, and people that I'd be really on board with with getting uh, this guy. If you guys can figure out who it is, then credit to you because um, I think he would be awesome. And he's very well respected around the league. And so it would, uh, his talent evaluation is exactly what this team needs. And I'd be really, really happy with the hire. So if you guys can figure out who that is, then, you know, you'll know. See, who he's a, about. For those on the podcast who want to try and figure this out, he played at the University of Miami. There's a three on his uniform. Um, it looks like it was a little while ago. Um, he was he number 30. Those old, number, he was 30, number 30. Number 30. There we go. So there you go, podcast listeners. Now you have a fair shot, not just the people in the stream. Um, any thoughts about CJ Prosize getting cut? Anything? He didn't show anything this season. I mean, Hilliard came in and did the exact same thing he did. So it's no big loss. I mean, it is what it is. Um, he was no no better than Buddy Howell, who's been on the roster for years. So I think Buddy was actually better. So no love loss. Yeah. Hillard and Howell, like, I, I don't. Again, that's one of those roster management things that I'm at a complete loss sometimes with. Um, Howell, every time that he's seen the field, has shown a little bit of something. So why doesn't he get to see the, hill, or see the field more? And then, I mean, Hillard, he was fine. And I know the Browns have all the depth in the world up at running back. But, I mean, we're already not playing the guys we have. Uh, David Johnson still ended up with 98% of the uh, running back snap. So, for me, it's hard to get excited about any young right now. Yeah, and he was the hot hand, though. I mean, he put up over 100 yards on the ground the first time all season. Yeah. So – I mean, why not keep running them? All right. Well, I made a special slide for this next one. You want to kind of kind of talk about it? Do we think so, Merck is done? We love him. He's a great guy. He's made himself into a decent player. He made himself into an above-average player. Let's be honest. Him and Clowney the year J.J. was out, that was probably the best defense that we've had, we had under Bill O'Brien, and that was with J.J. Watt out hurt. But – that defense was led by Merciless, Clowney, and then Jonathan Joseph and A.J. Boye. I mean, those four players put together 
an amazing defense. And if Fuller could hold on to a football, we would have beat the Patriots with Brock with a defense led by this man. Now that he's on the COVID reserve list, like, is it? I is think it, it's is it. Is it the end? I think it's it. I think uh, regardless of the money that he would leave on the table, which I think is $15 million next year, or maybe it's a little bit less, um, I think this is the end of 59 in a Texans uniform. Um, he just doesn't seem himself this year. I mean, we've seen it on the field. Um, not for a lack of effort. I mean, he's putting it in, he's trying to put in the work, but it's just not happening for him. Um, who knows? Maybe as he has a change of heart over the, the off season with the incoming staff and he sees something he likes and he sticks around. Um, but everything I've heard, it points to him hanging it up. Is he hurt? So, no, he's just got COVID right now. Um, so he's probably not even going to play well, this I mean, week. On top of that, because he was just—he had no juice all year. Like I, I think, I, think I said it a couple of weeks ago. It wouldn't have surprised me if we got to the the off season and we just find out he's having, having surgery of some sort. It's very possible. Um, I haven't heard anything of the sort, but it wouldn't surprise me. But uh, I mean, there's like you said, there's just no juice. He has no ability to get around the edge. He has no ability to go lateral at a running back that's going on the outside. Um, so I think it's, you know, he's banged up. You know, he hasn't had the injuries that J.J. had. I mean, he had the torn pec a few years ago. But that doesn't affect his legs. And it's just, it's not there. It's not there. Yeah. And I think he's realized it. So, I mean, peak, peak Merciless wasn't even... He was never one of those freak athletes. He was always a great, great technician. And with those guys, I mean, once you lose a step or two and you don't have that many steps to give, that that cliff comes really quick. So, you know, again, for those of you who may have missed it, we were talking about Whitney Merciless. Pat Pat thinks that he's going to hang it up. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's it. this is the wrong comment to say, but that'd be a great team move because his contract's kind of an albatross. Yeah, so they would still have about $3.5 million on the books next year um, in dead money. I think that's bonus money that's already been paid out that they would likely turn around and try to recoup, um, but it would clear about $9.5 off the books. So that would give them some pretty good flexibility heading into the free agency. And um, we'll just hope that if, you know, for the team's sake, if he's going to make this type of decision, that he makes it early enough and isn't one of these guys that two weeks into training camp decides to hang it up after the bulk of free agency is over and stuff like that. And we don't know how free agency is going to go. We don't know how these visits and stuff are going to go next year. So um, there's still a lot to unfold. But, yeah, it'll, it would be good for the team. Um, he's made a f- fair amount of money. He's made over $50 million in his career with the team in his nine years. So he's done very well for himself. He's gotten three contracts. But uh, I think he's looking more towards life after football now. All right. Well, we really don't want to. We really probably shouldn't. So we'll probably make this brief, uh, the game recap. Um, Yeah, we played like crap. (laughs) Yeah, on the defense. 
the offense was fine. Yeah. I mean, David Johnson had over 100 yards. Um, Deshaun was his normal self. And the wide receivers, I mean, they didn't put up huge numbers outside of Brandon Cooks. Um, Kahali Waring had a huge drop. I don't get the love for that guy. But, uh, you know, the offense was fine. The offense did its job. It was the defense that just totally let them down. For those of you that are on the stream, I really want to point this out because I've got it. There's a reason why I put the stats in the uh, in the slide deck this week. Um, David Johnson had 10.7 yards a carry. Jesus Thank you, Max Christ. Sharpie. Thank you, Max Sharpie. Look at that. That number's huge. I didn't know that was allowed. Running backs That's can awesome. run for that much. That's awesome. Why do you think? Why do you think he he did that? He had blocking. He was able to get to the next level, and he wasn't going down on arm tackles. Something got into him this week. Um, he kind of talked about it in the post game that he's been talking to somebody um, to kind of mentally prepare himself um, and stuff like that for this. And you know, a little late in the season for it, but he just looked like a totally different person out there this week. He looked like what 2016 David Johnson where, you know, he put up 15 or 1200 yards on the ground and 800 through there, whatever it was. And it just, it was awesome. This is what yeah, we had hoped for was. all year. Tell me how dumb you think this idea is. I kind of threw it out there on Twitter and I, I it might be, I might be dumb because, you know, we're going to have a different, coaching staff but if i was david johnson i would commit myself to bulking up i would commit myself to you know doing a legarrett uh blout kind of career redefined because here's what he's good at when he decides to put his shoulders down and run through um some of these linebackers and run through some of these guys in the secondary he can run through them he does not have the lateral the lateral quickness that he used to i remember when he was a rookie and then his second year, he would put guys on absolute skates. Like, it was great to watch him go side to side. And I knew this because I had him in Dynasty football, and I would, I would watch him. Like, I remember getting super excited for him his, his rookie year, and you kept hearing whispers about this guy that you saw in preseason that just tore everybody up. And then he just destroyed people on special teams. He's not that guy anymore. He's not even close to that guy. You know – is that a horrible idea? Could you imagine? Because, I mean, the things he's done best at this year is when we have the two running back sets, when he acted like a fullback. Uh, this last game, when he just ran through guys and catching the ball. Yeah, I mean, he's six foot one, so he's definitely got the frame to put on some weight and some muscle. Um, so, I mean, get him in a workout plan with Brian Cushing. Have him work know, out with right? Will Fuller. I mean, Will Fuller put on 15 pounds muscle over the offseason. Whether it was pills, wait, 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 whoa, whoa. Because whether it was the pills or anything, because Roby didn't get bigger and neither did AJ Boye. So I will not credit those pills with Fuller putting on 15 pounds of muscle. I just can't do it. It just doesn't make any sense. Why did it work for one guy, not the other two? So, yeah, I mean, David could easily put on a little bit of muscle and and some size and, you know, become that slight bit of a power back, I guess. Um, Because like you said, he's earlier in the season, he's been arm tackled and fallen down, just barely getting touched. So, you know, who, who knows? It would be good. I mean, the, 
the biggest problem with this plan is we may actually inherit a, or we may actually get a coaching staff that isn't dead set on running him through the A gap. That may ruin the plan. But, you know, maybe. Yeah, I mean, who knows what the offensive scheme is going to look like next year because they bring in guys like David Johnson and Duke Johnson who are great on the outside and through the passing game, and it's taken them until week 14 to figure that out. So, I mean, I, I just I don't get it. But now, they're here now, so let's see what they can do. Yeah, when you watch our defense try and defend a running back that is catching passes, you know we definitely don't practice it. So it's, That was one of the most frust- frustrating things that I watched this weekend. We'll get into that about the defense, but I'm just kind of pointing out that one of the things that was most frustrating about this season was usually you can tell what scheme a team's going to run by the personnel they bring in. Mm-hmm. This season, especially on offense, I don't think I've ever seen a bigger disconnect between the players and the scheme that we try to run. Do you think I'm off base on that? No, at all. They don't utilize these guys as their strengths, and they haven't until this past two weeks. Last week, well, this past Sunday, David had 100 on the ground. The week before, he had 100 through the air. I mean, I would have been cool with that all season. Give him 100 through the air one week and 100 on the ground the next week. Keep the defense guessing because, you know, obviously he's a threat both ways. So why why is it taking till now to fig- have figured this out? I just – defenses knew what was coming, and it was way too predictable. It was way too vanilla. It's what we had seen for the past four years when Bill, Godsey, and whoever else was calling plays were calling them. So. Yeah, I mean, it. the more I look at it the past couple of weeks, it's been an absolute waste of both David and Dukes Johnson. Um, we have a quarterback that absolutely excels in empty set. Mm-hmm. We have two running backs that can essentially play receiver. One of them did. He played receiver in college. Like, I know, right? Why is it? I don't know. Oh, well, well we're going to talk about them later, too. But one thing that I do want to point out is we are blessed. We are absolutely blessed. We have Deshaun Watson. I was actually shocked by this. He's the first Texans QB to throw for 30 touchdowns. 30. That's crazy. But guess what? We are tied for 19th. We're actually 23rd if you take two-point conversions into scoring. But 19th on touchdowns and only touchdowns. I want to leave out the uh, the two-point conversions because, you know, who gives, who really cares? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually church us up a little bit all the way up to 19. <laughs> David – or uh, Deshaun Watson, 30 touchdowns, 33 total touchdowns, three rushing. The Texans have scored – 40 touchdowns. That's wild. It's absolutely wild. Like I just, the offense outside of him has been such a letdown this year, regardless of will and cooks had both been on pace for a thousand yards, which would have been the first time in Texans history. If will had been playing. Um, the tight ends were not what they were, you know, Jordan Aikens, had some really good games earlier in the season. Um, not sure what happened here towards the end. I mean, he almost had a touchdown, what, two weeks ago, and the sun got in his eyes and he dropped it. Looked like a goof. So, I mean, for the quarterback to have 
the responsibility or be responsible for that much of the offense. Um, kudos to him and, and shame on everybody else. And I bring that up because this is what's been floating around Twitter. Should TK, should Tim Kelly stay or go? People are trying to defend Tim Kelly based on Deshaun's season. I personally think that was just Deshaun being Deshaun, Deshaun getting a little, a little bit better as a quarterback, third-year progression, because it's essentially his third year. But what do you think? Am I wrong? He's got to go. He's got to go. Anybody on this staff has to leave. Like, I just – there isn't – outside of Carl Smith, I can't – and maybe TJ Yates, I can't think of any other people that have to leave that are, that need to be able to stay. Um. And Carl is like fringe. I think TJ Yates is probably the only person that needs to stick around. And that's just because him and Deshaun are this close. So I think anybody can come in and do what Tim Kelly did and better easily. I mean, are you sure? I mean, Deshaun did throw for 30 touchdowns. That has something to do with the offensive coordinator, correct? True. But where's the running game been? (laughs) How has he not been able to scheme a running game all season? And what like in what offensive coordinator school do they teach you rotate out three left guards? Like I don't know whether that's Devlin, Tim Kelly, Rack, like none of that makes sense. And so I think anybody that's on the offensive side of the ball has to go because it's just been a complete disappointment. Well, if you look at your roster, and this is the number one reason why I say Tim Kelly's got to go, is our running game should be easy mode. Usually whenever you have a running quarterback, your running game gets easier. Usually when you have such an efficient passing offense, your running game gets easier. You're all, the, the opposing defense has to defend the rush. The opposing defense has to defend Deshaun because he may take off at any time. You have those two factors. Usually one or the other is enough to improve your running game. We have two. Like, our running game should be the easiest scheme ever. And yet, we can't run the ball at all. Maybe, is this talent? Are we being too hard on Tim Kelly? Is it our lack of talent? Especially at the guard, center, and both guard positions, and maybe even at the running back position? Or is this on the coordinator? I think it's all the coaches. And I think they valued the idea that they can take someone – that was good at one thing and make them good at another. Like Zach Fulton, for instance, was a great center in Kansas City. Comes here, plays right guard. Max Sharping played tackle in college. Comes here, we're going to play you at guard. It doesn't make any sense to me. It makes zero sense. They don't have the ability to coach these guys to be able to do other things. The same thing happened to Jeff Allen. They ruined Jeff Allen's career. Jeff Allen comes over from Kansas City, had been playing right guard, and they put him at left guard. And he was terrible. Or it was the other way around. I'm sorry. He was playing left guard. It was the other way around. Right he guard. came in and he played left tackle, and he was amazing. But he couldn't play he right could. guard. Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't, play, but he couldn't play on the right side. Wade Smith was on the radio a few weeks ago and talked about something like this and said it's literally like if you sit down and try to wipe your ass with the other hand. Try to do it. It's hard. Imagine trying to play football 
blocking a 300 pound guy on the other side of the ball from what you're used to what you've been doing your entire life and you know these guys do not have the ability to coach it up and devlin even said it himself a few weeks ago in a press conference that he's learned more about the tackle position from larry Tunsil in the last two years than he ever has like dude are you kidding me if i was cal I would have rocked right down to the press room and fired him because I just invested $160 million into my quarterback. And now my offensive line coach is telling me that he doesn't know a damn thing about coaching. I think you took that word from word from what I said a couple episodes back. I, I, was, I was lit in that show. Like, dude, how can your offensive line coach say something like that? Like out loud. Does he not even hear what he's saying? And the funny thing is, the one guy that we've had this year that's probably outperformed his um, his athleticism is Charlie Heck. Granted, it was you know for half a game. Let's not get too high on him. But the reason he probably looks well coached, guess what his father is? The offensive no, line coach for the Chiefs. So he's probably getting coached over Zoom from Daddy. Dad's like, just ignore that man. Ignore Devlin. Yeah, I mean, oh boy, he's line has been really good for years and he's been a, a key proponent of it. So you think heck would come up BM the enemy, a chance to coach his son. Mm, what position would he, t- what, like what would he make a lateral move and become the offensive line coach? If he's under contract. He can't make a lateral move. So they would have to somehow give him a promotion. See, I don't know but how that works. Contracts up, maybe. I don't know coaches' contracts and when they're up and stuff like that. I'd have to look. Um, I know it's possible, but I mean, maybe he comes over and he's the offensive coordinator. I don't know. Co offensive coordinator. <laughs> Co offensive coordinator just to get him here. But yeah. Well, at I mean, this point, yeah. Call the it. offensive coordinator. Tell Deshaun, do what you want to do. I'm just going to yeah. take care of the offensive line. There you go. If I knew anything about the offensive line, that's what that would be my pitch. I'm just going to watch Deshaun do what he wants to do. Yeah. Deshaun can be Ben Roethlisberger last week in the second half. Ben Roethlisberger yeah. called his own plays all the second half last week, and look what happened. They got their asses handed to him. So yeah, turned around on him. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contract the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best available offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Bet online. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, I know we don't want to do this. Oh, uh, boy. Look at all those zeros. So um, all of y'all on the stream, I'm sure you can notice, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point this out for our listeners. Um, defensive highlights. Everything other than tackles is a zero. <laughs> other than one player. One they player. Get to the Brandon coach, Jacob Martin, had the only tackle for a loss. So, Pat, Pat, please tell me, is there any any bright side from that defensive for, performance? Keon Crossan. Keon Crossan went out there and played a hell of a game against T. Higgins, who's a rookie and against AJ green, who's one of the more crafty veteran wide receivers in the NFL still runs really good routes. He's big. And what crossings, what five, nine, five, 10 and AJ green's like six, two, six, three. So he's got a huge advantage on him. And crossing was right there with him outside of one, maybe two plays where AJ got him. And that was well, it. I mean, you're in trouble if Crossan is – if he's one of your starting corners, you're, you're in trouble. But he's – we are already in trouble. But he was, but he was better than our, the guys we had starting. For like, sure. He shouldn't, you shouldn't come into the season saying he's going to be your number one or your number two. If he's your, he's your spot starter, he's your guy that comes in when one of them gets hurt, needs a break, um, not really even for – not even necessarily for nickel or dime situations, but he can cover the outside. And here's the thing about Crossan. Crossan runs like a 4-3, uh, high 4-2, 4-3. He's one of the fas- fastest special teamers in, um, in the NFL. He got the highest speed ranking out of any corner in Madden. That's a fun fact. Um, really? Yeah. Granted, he never plays corner, but he's a beast in Madden because of that. That's and then awesome. when you watch him play with the eyeball test, he can tackle. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a guy... I, I don't know how the reps go in practice, and that's part of the thing. And the way our coaches sometimes talk, like they're not giving these guys any practice with the ones. So we don't really know what Crossan has. They're not letting him play in games. They're probably not letting him practice with the ones. That, to me, is criminal. Crossan, like I know everybody on Twitter got excited, but we're getting excited because he looks like he has potential. He looks like he's an above-average NFL player. Not necessarily that he's going to be an all-pro but they're not letting him play. Do you have any thoughts or insight on what on earth is going on in there? They can't coach. It's the same as the offensive side of the ball. They don't know what they're doing. We traded for this guy last year. He comes in and they primarily play him as a special teamer. I don't know how many defensive snaps he got last year. This year, he's kind of forced onto the field. And this is how they find out that he's actually decent. So it makes you wonder what's going on in practice. Who is he going against? Um, and who has – or what has he done in practice to make them say you have to sit 
three quarters of the season because we don't think you're good enough. But yet now he's playing these last few weeks and he's shown some flashes that gives you kind of some hope that there's maybe some talent sitting somewhere on this defense. That is the only, I would say the only corner that has had a better game than him on the Texans roster this year is Bradley Roby. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Vernon Hargrave sucks. Like he is the ultimate Madden cornerback. He does absolutely nothing on a play and gets up and waves like he did something. Yeah. Oh, he was incomplete. Bro, it was 15 yards overthrown. Like well, he's got a he's got like a rabbit's foot in his in his pocket or something, because I've never seen a quarterback miss as many throws as they do when they look towards them. but then he always celebrates. It's like, dude, you're lucky. Yeah. And then you got guys like AJ Moore who has shown us a few things, but then just repeatedly that one or two plays a game gets toasted. Lonnie and Justin, they got their evil twin thing going on where they make that one or two play a game. They can post the picture on Instagram later on, have fun with it. Philip Gaines is probably the worst excuse of a cornerback I've ever seen in my life. Um, the guy couldn't cover anybody with a blanket. Um, I don't know how the hell he's on an NFL roster. So, and who else do they have? John Reed? Like, you drafted this kid, and you're not even going to play him. Yeah, I mean, somebody scored a touchdown on top of John Reed. It's his first game taking significant stacks, yeah. snaps at corner. And it, he probably won't see any more snaps because of that. So, I don't know. As soon as we were out of the playoffs, this is, I would argue, the most criminal thing that this coaching staff has left us with. Throwing out Bill O'Brien and all the bad roster decision moves he made. But this interim coaching staff, what they have done is they have not played rookies. They have not developed rookies. We do not know if any of these guys can play. And I actually feel for the next staff coming in trying to evaluate – is there's not going to have any tape. And that's what's awful. Like, this is what we're playing for, the future. We're playing to build a team around Deshaun. And they're still playing this ultra-conservative, let's try and salvage the season. I mean, the guys have already got you in this position where we're horrible. Let's see if the other guys can play at least a little bit better. It's Deshaun's I mean, giving you the world. Why not? Deshaun look is what giving you the world. <laughs> yeah. And look what he's done with Chad Hansen. Like, Chad Hansen's been on other NFL rosters. And granted, this may be like another Chris Hogan type thing. Chris Hogan shows up on the Patriots and balls out, goes and wins the Super Bowl with them. Now he goes elsewhere and he's fallen off the face of the earth again. Okay. Chad Hansen's come in and done the exact same thing that Chris Hogan did over in New England. And now he's playing great. You don't know what you got with these guys. Like, you're not giving Ross enough snaps. You're not giving Jonathan Gernard enough snaps. You're not giving John Reed enough snaps. Charlie Heck is the only person that I can say, okay, I can see why he's not getting snaps because you have Tunsil and you have Titus. This draft class sucks just for the fact that we don't know what they are. I don't even know if we can say it sucks because we don't know what we have. Blacklock and Grenard, like, they haven't played enough. They still haven't played enough. I can I agree about Grenard with that, right? Because you've had Wit in there. You've had Jacob in there. Brennan Scarlett's been in there. Um, so I get that. Like, we haven't really seen enough Grenard. When Ross is in there, he gets his ass kicked. Like, 
bad. And well, I'm, that scares I'm me. I'm going to follow, follow that up. Did you hear Rack talk about what they're trying to do at the line of scrimmage? I have not watched a single press conference in so, the past two and a half weeks. What, what Rack said was with their defensive scheme, they're trying to win their gaps. They're trying to win at the line of scrimmage. They're not trying to shoot upfield. If you look at Ross Blacklock's draft, his draft breakdown, what did he excel at? Shooting gaps and getting upfield. For a big guy, he could shoot gaps. That was what his upside was. So they're not using him in that manner. Of course he hasn't flashed. You're asking him to do something that he's not good at as a rookie. Like maybe he can develop into a stand-up DT, or he can two-gap people in a couple of years, but that wasn't what he was good at in college. He was never asked to do that in college. What he showed that made him look like a guy that could go in the first or the second round was he could get skinny for a big guy. He could shoot the A-gap. He could get into the backfield with penetration and take out the quarterback or the running back. Tackles for a loss. Rack said you don't do that. Disconnect. I talked about earlier. Huge disconnect between what we have talent-wise and the scheme that we're going at. Well, Rack and Weaver don't even get along. Like Their press conferences are at the opposite end of the earth's. Rack says one thing, Weaver says another. So that right there should tell you one thing, right? Like there, there's no, they're they're not on the same page. There's no cohesion in the coaching staff, right? Um, and that, at six more days, man, and they're gone, every single one of them. All right. Well, let me bring this up. Should he stay or go? First of all, Texans Twitter. I mean, I'm going to kind of lead this question, and I shouldn't. But, y'all, seriously, liking our guys even extends to these coaches, and these coaches are horrible. The amount of tweets that I saw for both TK and Anthony Weaver saying that we should keep them on the staff next year, I'm just going to let Pat answer that. As unfair as it is, Weaver's got to go, too. I just We heard all offseason how exotic things were going to be how you know fired up he was about the talent he has um like they just got the dog shit kicked out of him like the the run defense has been abysmal perrine parent i don't remember exactly how to say his last name just put up over 100 and something yards on the texans oh samron piran sam yeah, he just what has he ever been? He's never been a great running back, and we just made him look like Emmett Smith. It just—it's so frustrating. Frank Gore could come in right now and run fifty snaps against this defense and put up over a hundred yards, and he's almost forty. I mean, they just—I I don't get it. The the lack of coaching, and I, I get it. Rack may have taken over here recently. Um and had a lot more influence on how the defense is going to go. But Weaver's got to go. He's got to go somewhere else and be able to do what he needs to do. The players love him. I can't deny that. The players love playing for Anthony Weaver. But I don't think – you just can't keep anybody outside of one person, maybe two. And that's only because it's for Deshaun. Everybody else can kick rocks. 
I'm in total agreement. Which will move us to the. Uh, we're done with this game. We're we're done. We're not gonna. We don't have to have any final thoughts out there. We wasted another Deshaun Watson absolutely virtuoso performance because our defense was horrid. Um, I think we're we're trending towards having one of the worst defenses of all time, and that's an absolute shame. All right. Well, let's talk about something fun. This is the most popular tweet I have ever sent out. Um, this is our consensus power rankings by the entire Texans Unfiltered staff. Um, we've got Robert Salas, number one. That means as a group, we've all decided that he was number one. Eric Bieniemy as number two. Brian Dabble as number three. Matt Eberflos as number four. And Brandon Staley as number five. However, I'm willing to bet somebody has moved up this week. What do you think? Yeah, so... The enemy and Sala have been like 1A and 1B for the past few weeks. Um, with seeing what the enemy called Sunday on fourth and one, he's like fringe number five right now for me. When he called that wait, little wait, trip, wait, wait. You know, I thought he didn't call plays. I thought that was the big oh. argument all season. He, that he was calling the plays this weekend. He doesn't. Okay, so this – and they're both on record saying it, both he and Andy Reid are both on record saying it, that Andy calls the plays with input from Eric, and then it's relayed to Pat. This past weekend, Eric was calling the plays and called a trick play on fourth and one that resulted in an interception. Also, so he called that. Yes. He's the one that He's, asked um, – Pat Mahomes to go pretend to be Randy Moss. Yeah. I'm going to ask, did he teach him to throw his arm up like that too? I don't know. That was probably their wide receiver coach. Because the thing that scares me about that the most is that they were willing to put their quarterback in that position to get jacked up on the edge of the playoffs when they're prime and ready to make another run. Like, who does that? Like, that's just dumb. Well, I'm pretty sure our coach, former coach, has done something like that before. Yeah. yeah. Needless but, to say, that that kind of adds towards it. All right. So Bienemy is falling. He's number five. You are not happy with him. Who is your number one currently? Truth be told, and I'd love for them to go and pluck Nathaniel Hackett off of Green Bay's coaching staff. Really? Yeah. Just okay. would absolutely love it. All the way up to number one. I, it's yeah, because I feel like all these other guys are the flashy hire. And how many times does that work out? Like Sean McVay was the flashy hire a few years ago, and they had their little run. Um, I mean, they got to a Super Bowl, dude. I'll take that. Yeah, let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, I would love it. But at the end of the day, every single hire is a failure unless they win it. In my opinion. If you don't win the Super Bowl, every hire is a failure. That's just how it is. Because that's the ultimate goal, right? Like everybody that plays this game, that coaches this game, they want to win a Super Bowl. So it's cool they got there, but they didn't win it. Kyle Shanahan's gotten there twice, hasn't won it. So, like, I don't know. I think Hackett would just be that guy – I don't know. His offenses just do so good. Like 
he made Blake Bortles look like a competent quarterback. That's really hard. That he did. He Nobody did. else has been able yeah. to do it. Nobody else has been able to do that. Aaron Rodgers is number one in the MVP race right now with him calling plays. Devontae Adams has like 17 touchdowns. Aaron Jones is killing it. The offensive line up there, even with Bakhtiari occasionally, is playing great. I just I think Nathaniel Hackett would be an awesome hire. Is it going to happen? No. But I think it would be awesome. Yeah, I said last week that I think Hackett is the, the secret sauce. Uh, Lafleur gets all the uh, the credit, but if you mm-hmm. looked at his offense when he was in Nashville, it was trash. Goes up to Green Bay, teams up with Hackett, and they are just burning the world oh. down. So, so yeah, I think Hackett would be kind of like going after Frank Reich. He's the guy. He's really the guy behind it. Yeah. Um, from a couple of years back, where Frank Reich wasn't the huge, the huge hire when the Colts went for him, even though he was my number one coach when we were praying Bill O'Brien was going to get fired. Then he was um, their second choice. He was, and he was their fallback option. But I think mm-hmm. Hackett is that same. I think Hackett. I'm I'm right there with you. I like Hackett a lot. Um, however, I mean, my number one is still Salah, though. I'm still I on that train. Uh, oh, I love it. Like I love everything about the guy. I just don't know if it translates to a Super Bowl. You know, I think you're right, and I do have my reservations about that. But it still, to me, comes down to I think that he can put together the best staff. Yeah. And if you look at all the personnel except for Deshaun Watson, which is really where you should look, I think that Salah's staff would actually be able to do the most of what we currently have. Yeah. Now, maximizing Deshaun Watson, I am of the belief that whatever you ask Deshaun to do, he's going to excel at. Like, he's yeah. just got a he's got a rare blend of talent. He really does. And he's only getting better at it. And I know people talk about putting him under center and the Shanahan style offense. They don't necessarily have to do that. Go look back at RG three tape. Now, granted, we wouldn't want to run them as much as they ran RG three, but they have shown that within that system, you can be fairly creative and still have that same basic framework. Um, The bootlegs and Deshaun is probably still the best quarterback at running, throwing while running. Like he, the way he keeps his eyes up and the way he – oh, I'm Aaron wrong. Rogers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is really good at it, like really good yeah, at it. But he's not as fast as Deshaun anymore. Because, I mean, I've even said since Deshaun's rookie year that Aaron Rodgers is who he needs to model himself after. Yeah. Um, I've said, And I've re, restated that several times over the past couple of years. Um, that's why I actually was a fan of bringing Cobb in is I thought that he would – you know, help with that a little bit, but that's actually giving more points to Hackett. Damn you. Damn you. You want, you want a little nugget real quick. So Deshaun was drafted in 2017. Okay. Seattle doesn't need a quarterback in 2017. You want to know who was number two on their board? Deshaun Watson. No kidding. Yep. Deshaun Watson was number two player on Seattle's board in 2017. And they didn't even need a quarterback. So what does that tell you? That dude is amazing. And you know they yeah. can draft there. They have great talent evaluators in Seattle. Those guys consistently find talent, and they know talent. And so that's why this guy needs to be here. There you go. All righty. Well, we 
actually are not going to reach everything that I have in the deck, but Jordan's here, and we love Jordan, so we're just going to bring him in. Hey, how Jordan, how are you? Doing? Hello. I'm doing great. I'm excited because, you know, we're almost done. We're finally yeah. almost done. The finish line is there, so I'm really excited. But how are you guys doing tonight? Good, we're good. good. Awesome. You want to talk about um, the coaching search a little bit? We were just finishing sure. there. All right. All right. What was the topic? Let's see if I can put it back up. Let's see if this still works. Let's jump to Dabble. Oh, all right. Dabble, this is Jordan, the week are you familiar with this list? We've got Sal at number one, the enemy at number two, Dabble at number three, Iberfluss at number four, and Stally at number five. Granted, after this past week's games, I'm pretty sure some things have changed. Um, but what are your thoughts? Um, you know, he's still my guy's still Bienemy. He's kind of my one A, one B with him and, and Salah. But uh, you asked me about Dabble, and you know, this week I'm definitely gonna be doing a lot of Dabble work. I'll have a breakdown out on him, and he might be the best offensive mind, offensive guy kind of out there. Right, he doesn't have the question marks that Bienemy does, where you don't know how responsible he is for the offense. He doesn't call plays 100 percent of the time. He doesn't call them at all, really. And so, looking at Dabble, and I've gone over the tape of his offense now, and whoo, like it translates so damn well to what the Texans do, how Deshaun thrives, and how this offense has thrived. So, for the guys who like who want Tim Kelly back and kind of see that, you know, Deshaun's doing so well with him, Dabble has a lot of the same concepts, but he just does it at such a much higher level, much more consistent level. And so I think he's definitely a very intriguing name. Obviously, you got the joke used to be connection, but we don't know. It's more up to the GM than it is for the head coach to decide that. But yeah, I love Dabble. Well, Joe okay, Show. Is there anybody else that favorites? Oh. Is there anybody that el- else that has moved up your list? I know BNME is still number one, but is there any surprises? We were just talking about Hackett. I don't think there's any surprises. I think just my guy who is probably not on like most consensus boards, but I guess we have him at number five is Brandon Staley, defensive coordinator for the Rams. And the reason why I'm so high about him, he's kind of like the defensive Joe Brady, right? He's got the same question marks. He might not have the experience. He might not be the leader that you kind of want, but the difference for him between me, between Brady and Salah or not Salah Staley for me is that I really, really believe in his scheme. And I think he's doing, he's really reacting to how the league is going with their pass heavy um, offenses. And he's countered that by playing a lot of too high defenses and giving light box numbers to kind of invite the run because he knows that runs aren't that efficient anymore. And he's trying to add, add, to do everything he possibly can to p- stop the pass. And so I think the way that he's thinking about the game is revolutionary. And I think that's a pattern that you're going to see defenses go. And I think he's already ahead a step of that. And so I think that's something that is very valuable for us, obviously. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Who's your guy again, Pat? The Packers, dude? Hackett. Hackett. Like, that's not the popular choice, right? Of course. But I just, everywhere he's gone, they've had success. And I get it. It's easy to have success with Aaron Rodgers. But to have Aaron Rodgers, the number one in the MVP candidate again, and Devontae Adams doing what he's doing. It's just, I think it would be awesome. That's true. That's true. I think just to quickly play devil's advocate, I guess, do you have the same kind of concerns that you do with Biennemi? He's got Reed as his kind of mentor. Um, and with uh, Hackett, you know, he's got Lafleur. So I don't know if there's kind of the same questions there. Yeah, but to the point like John made, 
when LaFleur was in Tennessee, the offense wasn't that great. Oh, so you think Hackett's the Hackett's the real mastermind behind everything. Oh, that's spicy. That's spicy. Maybe it's true. Maybe you're right, Pat. Maybe you're right. I hope some team takes a risk on him. I, think, I hope we get to figure oh, it out. That was my point. My point. <laughs> if you look yeah. the show, my point. <laughs> I said you. I said you. I jumped no, the gun. Jordan, right. He completely ignored you. <laughs> uh, Damn it. I say something smart every now and then. Let me get it. Paul will make a clip. Paul will make, make sure it's a John clip this week. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Should we get into the Q&A? You ready to quiz us? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. First one's going to be from my boy, Louis Orta. You guys can always hit me up on Twitter for the Q&A. And he wants to know, let's say we get Salah as the head coach. Who are three free agent targets y'all want him to bring? <laughs> let's start with you, John. Uh, Sherman. Sherman, Sherman. Actually, Verrett wouldn't be not yes. my number one. And then Sherman would be if we missed out on Verrett. Um, both are high-risk guys, but, you know, we need a corner. Uh, Sherman, he can kind of teach because I'm sure we're going to have to draft, like, six corners. So having somebody like that who's also a wide receiver in college, like Sherman's going to be – if he decides to be a head coach or a coach, he's going to be a head coach rather quickly, I think. Like that, that would be cool. Um, let's see, three, shoot. I would have to look at the running back list and see which ones would actually um, excel at the zone read or the uh, outside zone. Um, because I don't think that we have one on our roster that would currently do well in that system. Um, honestly, because I think David Johnson's a little bit washed. He just doesn't, even though he had a big game, he still doesn't have that lateral quickness. So I'd have to look at the running backs. And then defensive linemen, um, we need defensive linemen regardless, but with the new coach and a new coordinator, we may be switching our schemes. So depending on who's our defensive coordinator and who, what scheme they're bringing in, um, with either a 4-3 or a 3-4 front, I think they do 4-3, is that right? The Niners, yep. Yes. And they, yep. use the, they we, don't, we don't have an under tackle. Um, so, yeah, we... we would probably have to go sign one. And I mean, well, Blacklock might do good. It would do pretty well in that role. So maybe not now that I think about it. And I actually, I don't know who the third would be. <laughs> I'll say, yeah. So you said Verrett, maybe Sherman, and then a DT or running back. So I think kind of some names, they ought Solomon Thomas, right? I think that could be someone. Um, and then a running back that fits the zone scheme. I'd probably look at Jamal Williams. Um, the Packers, they got to pay one of Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams. I don't know who they're going to pay, but Williams would be a very good um, idea. Big, very good running back there. All right. Um, next question will go to you, Pat. And Texans Canada, shout out to all the Canadians listening, even if there's only one. He wants to know, is it possible to significantly improve the defense without dismantling the offense? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, they don't need to dismantle it. They'll have to get rid of a few pieces, like Randall Cobb or David Johnson or Duke or something like that. But um, I don't think the defense is going to be <clears throat> that. I don't think the defense is going to change that much just going into next year. Um, that's a multi-year deal, I would think, just because it's 
they need so much help. But then again, it's going to depend on what happens with JJ and Wit. I think those two names have a significant impact on what happens in the offseason. So, but I don't think you have to completely gut the offense. Like you're not going to have to trade away Tunsil or something like that to be able to get pieces to rebuild it. No. Yeah, no, I think kind I of a two- follow-up question for that. Because um, mm-hmm. it was floating around on Twitter and there was a lot of discussion. Would you, if we were offered a first round pick for Tunsil, do you take that trade? I don't know the cap implications, so I can't answer that. <clears throat> It'd be pretty bad. We'd have to take his dead cap hit that. Yeah, and it's like $60 million next year or something like that. It's outrageous. It, I was actually surprised right by the uh, very well-known people in Texans Twitter that would take the trade if it was if it was a top 20 pick. If it's 20 to 32, they it. wouldn't. But anything top 20, they would take. And you, I think very, some very, very smart people out there said they would take it. The only way I'm taking that is if it's a guaranteed top five pick. I would say without the cap ramifications, top 10, but with the cap ramifications, like Pat said, you need to get me a stud. You need to get me a top five pick. That's the only way. The only way I'm doing it is if I'm trading for like Jalen Ramsey or something like that. It's $25.9 million dead cap hit. Wow. No way. Like absolutely not happening. It's just like you can't. It's just not financially possible Mm -hmm. to have, especially going into next year where you don't know what's going to happen with the cap, where it's very likely going to stay where it's at this year and have $26 million just sitting there that you can't do anything with and needing to replace your your Pro Bowl left tackle. Yeah, it's tough for sure. All right, let's move on to the next question. And we got one from Please Hire Eric Bienemy. And he says, Brian Dabo looks amazing. And while I still lean towards Bienemy, is Dabo worth it if it means keeping Joke in the building? Or should we pass on him just because he'll keep him in some capacity? I'm torn on this because I'd love to see Deshaun in that scheme, but I want Joke gone. <laughs> All right, John. How do we how do we look at this? Well, I mean it's tough. <laughs> it's really tough. Uh, Joke Easter Bunny has a very good relation with Brian Dabble. Dabble is the one that brought him over to the uh, Patriots. But if they put him in his corner, if the Easter Bunny goes in his corner and they keep him in his corner and he stays in his corner, keyword there, stays in his corner, yeah. then maybe I'm okay with it. I mean we've talked at length about our opinion on him. Um, but Dabo, I mean, he's such a good play caller and it's already concepts that we are fairly familiar with concepts that a lot of our offense looks like it was built around anyways. So the transition isn't that bad. You get Deshaun to level up with a play caller, probably the best play. It would be the best play caller of his NFL career. And I mean, that's intriguing. And then you look at the kind of talent that Dabo could bring with him on the defensive side of the ball for a coaching staff. I mean, there's potential there. Uh, I, yeah. I would, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I think Easter Bunny should be gone if he was the consensus builder and he okayed the consensus around getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins, then yeah, he needs to be gone. He should have been fired months ago for that. But if they can put him in a corner, he stays away from personnel, stays away from 
even recommending who should trade and who should go, if he just goes back to being his little preacher and doing his little prayer and passing out his little cards, <laughs> then that's fine. But I don't think that'll happen. So that makes it tougher. Yeah, I think it all comes down to who the GM is. If the reports are true and it's Joe Schoen, the assistant GM of the Bills, if that if him and Dabble are a must-have like package deal, then I wouldn't be on board for it whatsoever. Because I think that makes it a lot tougher to kind of put Joke in his place when you got the same three guys who got the same agent. Um, but if you go with a different GM candidate, a Dodds, Borgonzi, Riddick, whoever, anyone but Schoen, which sucks because I actually like Schoen as a candidate. He's done a very good job helping the Bills there. Um, but then I think there's a better chance that number one, Joe could be completely gone or number two, like you said, he's put in his place. So I think we can't just kind of cross Dabble off the list just yet. Um, the rest of him, the rest of the package that, that he comes with is so intriguing. Um, and like you said, like not only are we used to those concepts already, but it fits our personnel. Uh, we talk all the time about Bill O'Brien and, and his inability to fit the scheme to the personnel. Dabble, it's already there, right? We've already seen it. Like, Diggs and Fuller are very comparable in how they win. Obviously, Fuller, I'm not saying he's Diggs. But even Cole Beasley, they have a great slot wide receiver who's a veteran. He knows how to run smart routes, find the holes in zones. We got that in Cobb and potentially QT, right? So I just think that it's just it's like control. It's like copy and paste with what he can do with us. It'd be so. So I've got a follow-up for you Yep. because you kind of hit on it. Um, I saw this. Is Fuller better than Diggs? No. 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 Diggs is a more complete route runner, I think, at every single level. Like, Fuller is a very good route runner, in my opinion, but Diggs is more dependable. He literally will snap corners' ankles. Um, he's a better contested catch guy. He can literally do anything you ask for him on the field. He's better in yak situations, um, and he and he stays healthy. So I think i definitely take Diggs. Well, he doesn't stay healthy. This is his first healthy year. Um, but, yeah, I'll agree with you. Diggs is probably the best pure runner pure route runner in the NFL, whereas Fuller may be the best of the burners at running routes. He's still not on Diggs' Diggs's level. No. All right, sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. All right, next one, Pat. We got Houston Meh Football. He asks, do you think Nick Martin stays or gets cut? He's gone. Adios. I think, I think they cut Martin and they move Fulton to center and they address the right guard in either free agency or the draft. That's interesting. Then are you of the in the crowd that wants to move Titus to right guard, put Rod Johnson, no. or maybe Charlie Heck at right tackle? I'm not either. Leave, yeah. leave Titus where he is. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've invested two years into the guy playing right tackle. There's no point in moving him. You'd be doing the exact same thing this, the current coaching staff has been doing, where they feel like they can plug guys in wherever they want. So, no, I think they leave Titus at right tackle – and they move Zach back to where he was good at, and he's not expensive. Um, and then they either free agency, which would probably be a stretch just because of some of the guys that are in free agency and how much they're going to cost. Um, yeah, I think they would go the draft, maybe. Definitely, definitely. I think. Or, or maybe they stick with, you know, I mean, Greg Manx is here still, um, but he is a free agent at the end of this year, I believe. Um yeah, because he got cut, so he's on a new new contract with the practice squad. And so you got Brent Cavale, Um Yeah, Nick's gone. Maybe Kovale could fill in at right guard. Maybe. 
he, he might when he's been in there he's been all right he hasn't been as disastrous as, as the other two guys in the interior so i don't know maybe but all right let's go to the next question from our guy michael george and he says which player are you interested in seeing in uniform once the waiver wires hit and who are your free agents for 2021? Okay, we kind of went to this. I, I don't know how, John, but every single week I always end up giving you the same question of what free agents you want. Every single week without fail. Uh, are there any waiver wire guys, maybe some guys you want to take a shot on? I know that's kind of really a really tough question because how the hell are you supposed to know? But no. Nah. No, I mean, no. not really. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, I'll give you the next I know one. you're sorry, sad about Gino. Tell us about Gino. Oh, oh we haven't talked about Gino yet? We oh, okay. Gino. New safety Texans claim from the Ravens. Gino Stone, he went to college at Iowa. And Iowa DBs are always very good zone defense DBs. They're always very smart. They can play the ball well. Um, and I see that too in Gino Stone. I had a very high grade on him in the draft. If I literally went back and I searched my tweets, I searched for Gino Stone's name. And literally every pick that went by, I kept screaming for us to draft Gino Stone because he kept on falling. It was pissing me off. And so I'm so, so glad that he finally found his way back to this team. Um, I'm happy that they're taking a, a chance on, you know, a player that I actually like for once. Right, I think that's the first time it's ever damn happened, and so I think he he has the ability to play in the box and deep, and he even plays some man coverage and nickel sometimes. So I think he can do a lot of things for you. I'm not going to say the V word just yet because I think that word is very much cursed, but he does a lot of things for you, and I think he's a playmaker. So he's definitely a type of sh- the type of talent that hopefully gets a shot next week and hopefully gets a shot on next year's roster. So why did the Ravens cut him? That's my big question mark because the Ravens are a smart franchise and they don't have great safety depth. So was he that shitty in practice? That's a that's the million dollar question. I don't know. Because Joe Hortiz knows that he's coming to the Texans and he wanted him Ooh. here. Oh, <laughs> the big brain play. He's already he's already thinking ahead. Is Hortiz still your guy for GM, Pat? No. Oh, damn. No, this guy is. Oh, right. Uh, Lonzo Heisman. Yeah. All righty. Let's move on. We've got a couple more. Um, okay. Ben Paul wants to know, what are, your guys, what are you guys looking forward to in the offseason? Pat, what's, what's maybe the biggest thing you're looking forward to? I mean, it's got to be the head coach and GM. Like, there's yeah. nothing else. Like, that is the future of this team. Um, if they don't get this right, and, of course, we won't know for a few years, whether they get it right or not. But if they don't get this right, you've wasted another career in Deshaun Watson. Um, I know he's still young, but you're going to set this franchise even further back. So that's what I'm most excited about, just because there's so many good people out there that they can hire um, and that are available to get um, for both positions and to build out a staff. And so I think – the Texans were primed and ready for this year um, by firing Bill O'Brien in week four to get into position to make the right hire. So it's got to be the head coach and GM search. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you mentioned it, I'm kind of still shocked that we fired Butchin as as early as we did. It's kind of mind blowing. If you think about it, I don't think most people did not see that coming. It almost happened week three. But he bought some faith back um, and said he was going to take over the play calling and then went out and fell flat on his face. So, Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, well. All right. Last question of the day from at he's gone finally and he wants to know. 
What is happiness, John? What is happiness? <laughs> oh, man. I, that's a great question because apparently I dislike it. Um, Houston sports is definitely not happiness right now. Um, so I, I don't – as soon as you find out, let me know. Um, yeah. Well, having a new – well, no, not even having a newborn because that's stress, dude. You're always like, are they breathing? Are they not breathing? <laughs> Better hope he doesn't ever start this video up and see it. Just, just wait, Jordan, because you'll be worried about the uh, poop. <laughs> oh God, that I'm is what having diapers. a newborn brought. So they're not, they're not. That's not happiness. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. That, that's true. That's that. Maybe he knows. Pat's got Pat's excited about the head coach and GM. I think that's happiness. I think the future is up. We, we've hit rock bottom. We've definitely hit rock bottom, but you can't go much lower, honestly. So yeah. I think the future is happiness. But all right, thank you guys for the questions. As always, appreciate it. Thank you, Michael Scott, in the in the chat for the for the donation. We got we got to answer his question. See, he donated two dollars. Think our record would be better if Bill O'Brien was here. Actually, yes, yeah, I do. Yeah, I think I some of the decisions that Rack has made have been pretty dumb, and I don't think Bill was that dumb. Hmm. So. I uh, what was it the the two point conversion? I think Bill would have taken the safe play and gone for the field goal, tie it up, gone into overtime. Um, I don't know. I just I just have this weird feeling that it, maybe it's only one or two wins, but I think it would have been a little bit better. Damn, y'all y'all are fans of Bill O'Brien, the coach, over Iraq, the coach. Oh God, I I despise Iraq no, 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 no. right now. Um. I would still rather have Rack than Bill O'Brien because Bill O'Brien would do just enough that if he was still the coach, he would have probably figured out a way to do just enough to not get fired. So mm. I think that, again, the biggest problem with him is his ego. When he had less control over the personnel, the personnel actually matched the team a little bit better, and they were a lot better. So he's going to learn his lesson. He's going to go somewhere, and he's probably going to be successful. He really is, and we're all going to be – salty about it but it is what it is and the good thing is though we are going to get to start over because we desperately needed it the whole city of houston needed this like they we need a reset deshaun watson needs a reset Mm -hmm. and that's ultimately what it comes down to deshaun watson like we need a coach that will i mean you don't even have to be the best coach in the world when you have a quarterback like that you just have to you know let a gm be a gm well, it's not even not even competent. Like, he's just gonna let other people do their jobs. Like Bill O'Brien taking up every job in the building is what ultimately led to his downfall. Like, let a GM be a GM. Hire coaches to run your offense. Hire coaches to run your defense. Keep your nose out of it. Manage your coaches. Let your coaches evaluate talent. You evaluate the coaches. Like, that's the type of head coach we need. That's not Bill O'Brien. Yeah, I think there needs to be some sense of of hierarchy, some sense of organization and responsibility. And that that's set through culture, that's set through the top and and that's why they they really need to get the GM hire perfect because that's going to set the tone for everything. But the culture has to be perfect here right now, Jordan, because they're firing people because they don't fit the culture. <laughs> oh dude. Yeah. I, I think that word is should yeah. be banned too. Culture. So there, I don't give a culture. Shit culture and versatility <laughs> should be never mentioning in inside that building. If we hear that in the first presser of whoever the hell they hire, fire uh, them. 
Immediately. Go. <laughs> All right. Was that it? I think that's it. I think that's it. Um, there was one thing that I wanted to ask. Um, dude, way up here at the top of our chat, Manhattan. Hopefully, you're still around. Um, where'd it go? Oh, the three names for GM. Three names for GM. What do you think of those? I gotta scroll back up and see what he said. Uh, McClay was one. Yep, definitely possible. Uh, Trent Kirkner, Scott Fitterer, and Will McClay. So Will would be another home run hire. Um, Will was set to become the GM back when Gain was hired, but then figured out how much power Bill really had, and that's when Jerry upped the money, and he decided to stay in Dallas. So now with Bill gone, that's definitely possible. Um, his name's been mentioned by quite a few people that I've talked to. Um, Kirkner and Fitterer, mm, no, they're more in line with the guys like Borgonzi, Hortiz, um, Ryan Nutt, like the younger personnel guys that have been around, been around for a few years. Um that have been with successful organizations. So, I mean, Dimitrov was another name that got kind of floated around too, but I don't think they want to recycle GM. Um, if they bring in someone like that, they would be like Dorsey, but like executive vice president of player personnel or something like that. They wouldn't hold the GM title. Uh, they wouldn't be in charge of the cap. They wouldn't be in charge of all these things. They'd be in charge of their, like scouting and stuff like that, which is something Dorsey is really good at. So, um, that McClay is the best only... news I've heard all day. Why did you wait till the end of the podcast to say that? For what? <laughs> no recycled GMs. I, they just like, that should have like, led the show. Like, hey, y'all, calm down. Some of the because that's my big, my biggest fear is we bring in a recycled coach or a recycled GM. Like that is my biggest fear. Get somebody new in, get a new fresh take. We have what we have is the potential to be a very forward-looking club unless our ownership that doesn't know what they're doing decides now we're going to bring in backwards-looking guys even though we have whatever so but i mean why did you say that till now well i mean if i thought it was kind of obvious like if they wanted somebody like dorsey they would have already hired him right like he's been out of well no technically they haven't because they can't because he is on the payroll with the eagles so technically they can't. The conversation has happened um, that he's a possibility, but I just don't think that uh, they go that route. I think they Are would have already had. Are for tampering? <laughs> no, no. Are you going to leak something that's going to be like, we're going to be in trouble for tampering now? No, no. Because in six days, five days, what day is it? I don't know, four days, whatever. It doesn't even matter. Um, but – if they were going to go that route, that would have already happened, but that's not what they want. And for uh, Fitterer and um, Kirchner, I mean, Seattle's done a really good job over the past few years of finding talent. So if they were to pluck them, one of those two guys away from there, I wouldn't hate it, but it's not the flashy hire. So we'll see. 
and follow up on Pat, because I know that you have a relationship with Benjamin Albright. What did you think about his list? Where he lists EB as the favorite? Yeah. I mean, that's just Ben's opinion. I've talked to Ben Ben's about it. Um, yeah, and we've had conversations about it, and Ben just thinks that it would be the, the best fit for the enemy. But Ben also said earlier in the season that Joe Brady would be the best option for Houston to hire long-term. So right now it's just Ben's opinion. Okay. So him and him and James are in agreement. Who would have thought? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I don't have anything else. Uh, is anybody – Jordan, you good? I'm good. I'm good. Bueno. Bueno. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, you can find us at Houston FB Pod. That's the, uh, that's the everybody account. Um, Jair usually is the one that's answering it. Um, you can bother me at John A. Wade 3. Of course, everybody knows Patrick Storm to you and Texans Thoughts. You all have like all of Houston following you between the two of you. And then also give a shout out to JRL Sports um, to you. He runs all, a lot of our social media. He's doing a lot of our writing. Great guy. Very smart. Um, and James is still around. You can bother him on Twitter. Um, some days he answers, some days he doesn't. Uh, but always send him a thank you. He's doing a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff for us right now, um, recharging his batteries, and we'll kind of go from there. All right. all right. Thank you all again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Wait, Matt, if, what is your question? Get it in quick before I hit the button. Dream offseason offense hire, signing. Oh, okay. I got mine. I got mine already. I'll go first. Good. Corey Lindsley, center of the Packers. I know you want the flashy guy. You want Allen Robinson. Maybe you want Chris Godwin, the wide receiver, right? But I think center is going to be a big position that needs change. And I think Corey Lindsley has been a very trusted vet. He's doing it for the best line right now. Not what, not the best line, but one of the best lines and the best offense uh, this year. So I think Corey Lindsley would be my splash signing on offense. I got to agree. I think that would yeah, be awesome. I think, I think it would be really good. Hey. Um, like Go Thune would be really cool, but I feel like anybody that comes from the Patriots that commands big money later on in life, especially on the offensive line, turns out to be just okay. And we can't have just okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay or Battle Red blog uh, actually wrote an article. I can't remember which writer uh, just saying their dream scenario. And he got me super excited about him so who would be my dream after that i don't know i don't even know who's a free agent anymore um especially on the offensive, on the offensive side again every time i get excited about a guy that he ends up getting held on to by his team by some craziness you know by like the salary cap or not the salary cap the franchise tag restricted they get threatened with the salary cap so they just bargain with them like the top guys are hard to get excited about Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we gotta gotta wait and see. I mean, again, not kidding. We had a great big long list of free agents last year. All of them got tagged or re-signed before free agency even started. So I don't know. I don't study it as much as I should anymore. But it is what it is. All right. Thank y'all so much, and we will see y'all next week. <laughs>